0: to another episode of the Future Positive podcast powered by Capitalize. I'm your host Phil Hopton, head of customer education and engagement at Capitalize, and this episode I'm flying solo because Kirsty is away. Um which is, you know, an exciting opportunity for me. Uh however, um what I want to do before I introduce our great guest this week is just talk to you about our new podcast. So every Friday morning, myself and Kirsty are hosting um, Friday breakfast with Phil and Kirsty, where we will bring you a host of the weekly stories that impact you and your SME clients. So, this podcast can be found on this feed, um, but it will be out every Friday, myself and Kirsty just talking about what's going on in the world that's relevant to you. It's a quick podcast, about 10 minutes. So, hopefully, that should give you something to listen to over your breakfast or when you're walking your dog or when you're doing your commute or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Anyway, so our guest this week, my guest this week is Paul Feifel. Paul is the CEO and co-founder of Sales Impact Academy, which is on a mission to help millions of people in revenue-related roles be exceptional by revolutionizing the way B2B tech companies approach skills and development. Paul has over 20 years experience in founding and scaling global companies, not least across the eight years where he grew two international tech companies from zero to 100 million in combined sales as SCRO. He's raised over £100 million of investment across all stages from seed growth, VC and debt, and uh, has been kind of instrumental in helping us at the Capitalise team um, get some really impactful training with some great coaches. So I want to welcome Paul to the podcast. Welcome, Paul.
1: Hey, Phil. How are you doing?
0: I'm very well, thank you. How are you? yeah well, good thank you good <laughs> it's weird isn't it like we've been talking for about 20 minutes before we started the recording and then we we do the recording and it sounds all formal and <laughs>
1: <laughs> well at least you are pressing the right buttons that's true
0: yes no absolutely
1: uh yeah uh, that would be embarrassing um so
0: Paul where where are you coming to us from
1: today uh well I actually work on east Co- on the east coast time zone so it's 20 past nine on on a Friday uh, but, I, but I live in uh, near Alexandra Palace in North London.
0: Oh okay because I wasn't sure when when you said to me on US time I was like oh are you over in the, in the States at the moment but it's just because you're working um, those hours at the moment.
1: Yeah I have done for about nine months and it's been a bit of a it's been a bit weird because I'm on a different time zone to my own country um, but you know most of our you know all our investors are in America most of our most of the LPs who invested in Stage 2 Capital Fund, who are just these, you know, revenue leaders from all these top tech companies. They're they're, they're based over there. You know, m- probably most of our team now is based in America. And so I need to sort of base myself there by switching time zone. Obviously, we couldn't get in until this month. And I'm actually going uh, to the US next Friday.
0: Oh, nice. Excellent. Whereabouts?
1: Boston, New York, San Francisco, Seattle, New York, London.
0: Wow. So you, you're, you're doing like the tour of... Uh... Of yeah. A certain part of America, right? You're not quite getting over the other side.
1: No, I'm not getting to the sunny bits, <laughs> basically. I'm really I mean, worried because I'm going to have dinner out like pretty much like 20 evenings in a row and I'm just, I'm worried about getting gout. <laughs> so, I'm not going to drink. Joe, you know
0: he's it, it, one that. I, so, we were talking before we started recording about like events and, and like things opening back up. First thing I noticed is it's like two months of, of relatively solid events and travel. My exceptionally good eating and drinking habits that I established during lockdown just went well, I mean, end of lockdown, right? Beginning of lockdown was all about kind of takeaway food and, and Jack Daniels. Then I kind of mellowed out <laughs> And then, like, but now it's now it's just gone. Like, you go out and you're like, oh, let's go for a beer, or oh, let's get takeout, or or, or suddenly you you find that having a a sandwich on a train from London Euston to somewhere is an acceptable lunch, and you kind of go, oh, that's not good.
1: With a big bag of crisps,
0: <laughs> and they're always big, aren't they? They never they never normal. So, Paul, look, um, people might not know you um yeah. in our world, um, but mm-hmm. so I think maybe do you want to give us a just an overview of. Of Sales Impact Academy because yeah. you know, from our perspective it's a really really interesting business.
1: Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, so essentially what we're building is, uh, in, in its most simplified form, without using fancy words, it, we're we're building an online school for go to market teams. And what I mean by go to market teams because even that is a phrase that sometimes people are unsure what it what it fully really means. But the sort of what we mean by a go to market team is all of your sort of all the functions that are really sort of touching the customer essentially. Um, and then the support functions that help that function, right? So you've got, you know, if you think about the customer lifecycle, you have typically you'll have, you know, SDRs that are, that are engaging with the market. You will have AEs that take that, that, that interest and try and turn it into revenue. You'll have, you know, maybe you'll have some sales engineers in, in that pot. If you've got a very technically complex um, product, you'll then have an onboarding function. Then you'll have a customer success function. Then you'll have an account management function that drives upsell and cross-sell. And then you'll have a, a marketing function, which I think you're, you've are you been looking after, I think a little bit at Capitalize, right? Um, a B2B marketing function that also supports all those functions. And then you have a revenue operations or a you know, function, that is, that is responsible for the operations of all those different roles and functions within, within Ghost Market. And we are creating a curriculum where we teach completely live. And that's a really important thing to stress. This is a live instruction platform. We, when, I, you know, when I started this a couple of years ago, literally had no experience in education whatsoever. I, I just literally thought, what work, what's worked for me? So I'm a sort of a pretty voracious learner, you know, and I've, I've read books, I've gone to events, I've had mentors, I've, I've done, you know, I've, I've signed up to a gazillion pod, podcasts and, 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 uh, and, 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 you know, sites and all this kind of stuff. But the thing that always that worked for me was actually when, when I was taught by, you know, actually the authors of predictable revenue, which is another story way back in 2011, how to build a sort of repeatable scalable revenue function. And they taught me by doing live video classes, if you like. Two or three times a week, and, and that was actually the most impactful way that I ever learned. So I literally just went, oh, "I'll just do that." So that's the sort of approach that, to learning. It's the small, bite-sized classes, an hour-long um, live teaching, developing curriculum across all those different disciplines within go-to-market, and then the final piece of the ingredients, I guess, is that it's all taught by the absolute very best people in the world at what at what they do, and they are often operating and still working you know in the industry now right because the industry moves so quickly um that it's really really important to have people at the sort of cutting edge of cutting edge of that so that's basically what we're building it's kind of online live learning academy for go-to-market teams
0: and funny if you, you you touched on um kind of some of the coaches and some of the people that you've got uh, teaching these classes and you've got some Pretty impressive people. My first, that I think the course that, that hooked me in was Sir Clive Woodward, like, like DNA of a champion. I was just like, hold on, I'm going to get to, to learn and not on video, and to your point, it's like, like when Sir Clive, or Clive as he insisted on being called, because um, everyone called him Sir Clive, uh, When he actually asked you a question.
1: Mr Sir Clive.
0: Mr Sir Clive, yeah. And when he actually asked you a question and you can go on and you're like, hold on, I'm talking to someone that that has done some amazing things. And that was that was an eye opener for me. So how do you how do you attract these um
1: these great coaches? Call them up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm actually not kidding. I mean. You know, we, we, we obviously through through our investors. We've got a pretty rich network, and I, and I've, i I had a decent-ish network to begin with, but it's obviously pretty. It's growing all the time, but so we've got a really good network. But you know, I'll take for example Chris Voss You know, he's a massive name in America. You know, he was the FBI's lead negos- lead hostage negotiator. Wrote the book Never Split the Difference. One of the big stars on on Masterclass, which is an asynchronous delivery of content, by the way. Um, obviously, and we're, we, we try, we're trying to go through the kind of like the network to get the warm introduction. And then a little bit like sales, it's like, why don't you just like go direct? <laughs> like, you know, instead of trying to go through partnerships to reach the customer that you want to, you know, really talk to, why don't you just go direct? So we literally filled out a form on Chris Voss's website and then we started chatting and um, they, re- you know, what our mission I think resonated very much with the, with the Black Swan group. Um, and then literally the whole thing was very, very quick. And then within six weeks he was teaching, um, on, on the platform. So it's as literally as easy as just, just bloody ask, <laughs> um, in many I think ways. you
0: make an interesting point though, because it's something I've been doing podcasts for, uh, in various forms, um, both capitalized and outside. Um, and one of the things I've, I've learned, and one of the things that has amazed me over the years is that it's amazing who is approachable and who will say yes if you just ask the question and very, I mean, obviously there are, there's always an upper limit of people you you can ask, but, Mm. but, you know, surprisingly I've asked some, some interesting people and they just go, okay. And you Mm -hmm. just go, oh, so all I needed to do was ask. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, actually the, the Clive Woodward story is pretty interesting because I don't know if you remember last year when, when the pandemic hit, um, you know, we're a really mission-driven company. i have been have been a, I've been a two-time CRO. I've lived the pain of learning on the job and trying to deliver, like, you know, you know, um, exponential revenue growth. Uh, it's really, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a unique form of stress, <laughs> particularly when you know, in this industry, it's pretty brutal, right? And I think this is what we want to help to change: is that you know, this, 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 this kind of like slash and burn approach to building a team, which is you miss your number two months in a row, and that's it, you're gone um i think the average tenure of a cro is 17 months i mean it's it's brutal um and often in many cases not even the, really the fault of the revenue leader or necessarily or the sales people could be a problem in the product but because the numbers aren't moving in the right way then you know <laughs> bang people are fired um so it's pretty pretty brutal so, so this is a very mission-driven company right so we were talking just before we came on that a lot of companies sort of retroactively fit a mission onto their product, and you know, I was saying that I think probably Facebook is the, is the poster child, or Meta, whatever it's called, is the is the poster child of this. Where Zuckerberg created a platform to meet girls, which then became Facebook, which then became this is all about you know connecting the world and making it a better place, <laughs> right? And I can almost imagine like Sheryl Sandberg and 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 uh, Mark Zuckerberg in in a room with a whiteboard trying to work out what their mission should be um, on this thing called Facebook. But we are you know, wholeheartedly, literally this is from the heart, it is literally I was in pain for 10 years. I watched other people being in pain. And I think that through education, that's all we need, right? We've never had it in the go-to-market industry. We've never had it in sales. We've never had structured, thoughtful education and learning in sales or call customer success or for SDRs ever. Unlike finance, unlike law, unlike every pretty much every other bloody profession, right? We just never had it. So what we're trying to do is like bring that in in a in a modern way. Um, So anyway, I'll come back to the script. (laughs) Very mission-driven. So when when COVID hit, we just raised a little bit of pre-seeds. This is what March 2020. I don't know if you remember, we threw open the doors. We're like, look, it just feels wrong to sell. Everyone's scared. No one knows what's going to happen. It felt like the financial crisis of 2008. People were being laid off left, right, and center. In fact, companies were literally pulling open the drawer of the playbook of 2008 financial crisis and just using that, which is basically cast, cut costs, cut, 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 lay yeah, people yeah. off. And about four months later, and it was like, hang on a minute, we're exploding. Come back. <laughs> um but it was a very scary time so we were like right let's open up the doors we're just going to give everyone free access to the academy for at least two months anyone that's furloughed unemployed now because they've been laid off any company that's struggling anyone right and also what we did we launched this thing called in this together and it's and i think it's you know a great 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 example of the the principle of you know give 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 without expecting anything in return creates a huge amount of goodwill and we did a masterclass every single day, Monday to Thursday, right through the pandemic for six months. We essentially became an events company. But we did that because we were mission-driven. We wanted to help and we wanted to support the industry. But the but the interesting thing was that the unexpected consequence of that is we were like, we had to find great talent to literally fill a masterclass four times a week. And I I'll promise you, Phil, <laughs> it is like. It's, un- it's relentless because just when you fill next week and the week after, the next week comes and you're like, shit, we've got to fill that date and that day and that day. And you're like, ah, and you're reaching out to the network and, and, the, and the network of the network. And by doing that, you know, we, 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 got, we met Sir Clive Woodward. Um, And he was like, we're like, would you come on? And we're doing this free for the industry. So no one was charging us anything because we we wouldn't have any money anyway. Um, And he came on and did this brilliant masterclass um, around his leadership thinking. And then we just went. You know what? Well, that was absolutely brilliant. Would you? Would you consider even? I thought he was going to say no. Would you consider doing a course with us? And and, and he said yes. And the sort of rest the rest is history. So um, yeah, it is anyway, a, that's, but,
0: but it is a great course as well. I mean, I, like just not just like the the learning from it, but the delivery and the content and the pacing. He he really is in, engaging as you as you would expect. But you're, you're absolutely right. It was it was so interesting. Like like seeing how different businesses pivoted to support we were i was telling you a story about capitalized pre you know some of the decisions we made through that period and 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 equally it's it's decisions you make because they're the right decisions for the people you're helping and, and there to support with your mission and even if for the short term you're not sure how it's going to play out for the business and, and mm-hmm. the long-term survival of the business or or whatever it is so <clears throat> you touched on recruitment and and that kind of side of things. And retention, which, are, yeah, recruitment and retention, a huge talking point at the moment. I guess you've probably got quite a strong opinion on, on how education can be used within businesses. Because <laughs> one of the biggest challenges facing accounting firms at the moment is around retaining and employing staff. There's a huge shortage, um, and people are finding retaining staff is, is struggling. So, So what's your thoughts on education in terms of that area?
1: Well, I, I have a lot to say on the so we, matter. We could probably have a whole hour on this topic. Um, but look, I think, and everyone always says things like, you know, Gen Z, they, they really value, you know, learning and development above, right? Their actual kind of like package and salary. And that's probably true. Lots of researchers said it is. But I think everyone wants to, wants to, wants to learn. Well, I'll, I'll sort of re- rephrase that. I think, you know... Um, those people that, that have got you know ambition and naturally curious, of course they want to learn. And I think there's we're just at the very beginning of a, a of a complete revolution in, in education full stop, which I can maybe touch on a bit later. And also in work learning as well. Now the challenge within work learning, and I've i been guilty as anyone of, of this is that you know, particularly again within go to market, we are forced to create internal education programs because we have to employ people with no training or no skills. <laughs> All core skills, already mixed skills. Um, and but companies are not natural educators, so it's a really t- it's a real tough one. Uh, and I, and I, I like I said, I know from personal experience, I've created some of the worst internal le- learning materials like on on, on earth. Um, it's hard, you know. You need skills. It's not it's not easy to create quality education products. So I think companies are in this difficult position of how do we do it ourselves? We're not really it's not really our skill set how do we bring it externally so it's a it's a it's a it's a really it's a really tough one but there is just no question that that a number of our customers almost like buy a subscription to sales impact academy for retention for literally for retention because people do that again there's a huge amount of like research that sort of backs this up that that employees stay with companies that they feel are investing in them and are investing in their and in their development so it's a hugely, it's a hugely powerful thing, um, and we've got the added bonus within go to market uh, that that improving your team <laughs> improves your revenue. So there's real alignment, right, um, in, in the go to market team. And here's an interesting stat as well, just on this point that I read about just this morning is that apparently the cloud industry is going to go from three hundred billion in revenue in 2020 so from last year to eight hundred billion by 2025. And that is massive growth. I mean, you're sitting that—that's tailwind. Anyone that's in the sort of general in cloud industry, which is very big now, we're going to grow by two and a half times in the next in the next like three four years, and it's already massive, right? So the problems that accountants have got, literally, are honestly pale to into, into like into into zero, almost compared to what the go to market industry and tech is going to face in the next three four years. There simply isn't enough people. So we need to think about how we create skilled people on a massive scale. When I, I read in this same article that the industry is going to need three hundred thousand more AEs, I think that sounds like a massive underestimate. And that's just AEs because you've got all the supporting functions as, as as well, right? We're going to need essentially, if it's if that's true, that growth, if, if it's two and a half times the revenue, we're going to need two and a half times the people um and that is huge it's like, well, like millions of people and how are we can do that well hopefully you know we're going to build you know this to some huge scale and we can we can actually start to help solve that problem
0: it's interesting and, and you're absolutely right the challenge is there. i guess that there's a mindset that's needed in the business as well and you said it earlier is that you know miss your number two months and you're out the door side of things. actually you know I think maybe that there needs to be that mindset change where sales people go to market people aren't expendable. Um, and that, I think for for many years, you, I've been I've before I I've moved into the roles I'm in now. I've always been in sales and go to, go to market roles, and, and to a lesser point, I still am. But um, but there's always that kind of like like you have a good month, it resets on it resets at the beginning of the the next month, and and the clock's ticking. It's almost like mm. you start the clock again. It's like right mm. two more months, and and you got people that look at it that way, and and that mindset. Whilst you know a degree of of competition and mm-hmm. um pressures re- definitely required but you need to enable people to kind of grow and and um understand the role and, and mm-hmm. have bad months because everyone has a bad month every every yeah. business do, has a bad month right
1: do you see brutal no. like firings happen in any other like like function
0: no not really no it's, product yeah. you know, see product people get fired because you know oh like in, in product like it's that kind of, oh, we missed a deadline. Okay, cool. Let's put a new deadline in. <laughs> and, and, and like, there's not a product-led company that hasn't at some point not released something where they should have released it, right? It, it, it tends to be how it goes. Do you, right?
1: yeah. you start firing people immediately? Like, no, you don't.
0: No. There's always underlying issues. Um, something I forgot to ask when we were talking about coaches, Um, and I guess always an interesting question. Who would you, is there anyone that kind of you really, if you could have like anyone in the world who would you really love to add to a coach to, to, to SIA?
1: So funnily enough, I would love to get Jeffrey Moore. So he wrote Crossing the Chasm um, to teach. But the funny thing is he's actually joining one of our live events. This isn't a plug, by the way, <laughs> but, but this is an example of just going directly and asking him. Right, So Pete Crosby runs an event with us called Pete Digs Deep. Uh, so Pete Crosby is a you know very well-known CRO like very highly regarded um and um yeah he just asked him and actually he's going to be on our free event anyone can register for I think it's in January or February and uh I'm, I'm going to ask him I'm going to say like would you be open to like creating some curriculum um for sales and back academy and he's he's uh he's like the godfather of like go to market really um and so we might get. in.
0: That's amazing. Actually, I I was on one of Pete's courses, uh, the the um
1: revenue the guide to revenue. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um,
0: that was that was like like sometimes sometimes you can be guilty of drifting when you when you do things online. It's the very nature of we were talking about it earlier. Slack messages and
1: mm. WhatsApp
0: messages. I I think for the first five minutes like the first time my attention drifted, I realized that I'd missed so much because that course is so dense. And that had me, and that taught me a very quick lesson that that I had to really commit to this 100% because, yeah. because one of the things I love about what you guys do, you have to take an impact assessment at the end.
1: Mm.
0: And and you also put the, the, the percentage on the certificate as well. And the people that in your business, so, it, it, you know, they can then look at how you're doing on those courses so you can't you can't just go you don't just get a certificate for completing something here you have to actually like really really am we're gonna, in and pay am we're going
1: to make that harder and harder and harder and harder and the goal there is that we end up being the de facto standard certification uh for, yeah. for qualifications and go to market I and mean, how powerful would that be
0: i mean that is uh, that's absolutely phenomenal because it does and, and when you get that great score like, there's nothing better than sharing that and saying, "Actually, I got 95 percent on that course from Pete, and it was it was yeah. it was intense, but man, you know, I learned a lot." Um, yeah. So, I guess, kind of looking at the other side, you you've helped grow businesses, um, you know, multiple businesses to to, to high revenue numbers. Mm-hmm. What what advice? But the, the, equally, when growing businesses, pitfalls, right? And you you've said to yourself, like, there are challenges. It's a high stress mm-hmm. job. What mistakes do you see when people are growing businesses or, you know, and we can apply this to our SMEs clients as well. And, and what kind of tips would you give them? I know this is a really kind of broad question that could probably get, do another hour podcast, right? Well, you could um, probably
1: do another 10 hours on this one. Another 10 hours.
0: But is there anything you see kind of quite often and, and recurring pitfalls?
1: Uh Right. I'll just think of a few things to the top of mind. Okay. I, I've been doing this for 20 years I was this, I was a CEO at 25 and I was terrible absolutely terrible in fact I feel like trying to find all those people that that I got to work in, in that company I was in and just just write them a letter and say sorry <laughs> um, I, I I think that um I think that it's really hard really hard to be a to be a, a good CEO without going around the block a few times I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm marinated now, right? Um, I've made every mistake in the book. I've treated, I've probably treated people really badly. I've, I've probably made people feel absolutely terrible. And I think that one of the big challenges of, of young companies run by young teams is they, is they don't, you know, they don't quite know really what they're doing. And you, you may, you sew in a lot of challenging things into into the, into the fabric of a, of, a, of a young company without knowing it in those first two, three, four years. And I, I you know so it's and it's a really hard thing to teach. You can I think you can teach anything right and then we will probably one day create curriculum around around this this, this sort of topic. but things like codifying the company, things like really putting culture at the absolute like like making it like an absolute priority of the CEO, is culture how people are treated. Um, your pro- your just approach to people, people generally. I mean, one of the things I'm really deeply proud of. Um, I sort of touch wood, and, and the only way is, is down from here. But you know, we have you know our glass door score at Sales Impact Academy is five out of five. We've we've had 24 reviews. Uh, I thankfully I'm, I've still got 100% approval rating. <laughs> i'm sure that would change over time but uh, you know and we've got 100% of people said so so they'll refer working you know as a venture academy to their friends i mean i mean literally you, you can't do any better than that i've never seen a 5 out of 5 on on glassdoor but that uh, wasn't by luck at all you know we i'm literally you know from from me and from the whole management team like it is we are such a people first organisation And you know, I'm, I'm, you know, literally think all the time about how to continue to create a very, very, very psychologically safe environment to work in. I was not thinking that in that way twenty years ago at all. So I think, you know, you can do it in various ways: codifying aspects of the company, codifying the culture, codifying your values, understanding mission, articulating mission and vision, and, and all that kind of stuff is really, really important. And you do it early. So many companies just Think that the most important thing is, you know, and it is fundamentally the most. It fundamentally is very important. Is you, you know, fundamentally getting product market fit and getting traction. Of course, that is critical. But really think about how you're how the approach that, that you're taking to to, to doing that. Um, so yeah, I think I think that 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 is a big that that's a big mistake that that obviously a lot of companies make. And then obviously in go to market, which is which is which is my sort of skill skill set overhiring sales too much, hiring sales too early, hiring sales leadership too early, like, you know, all of that stuff. Here's an insane stat for you, right? 70% of Series A companies will only ever return 1x or fail, right? Now, go to Series B. (laughs) The crazy thing is the stat doesn't change. 70% will fail or or deliver a sub-1x return. And then go to Series C, and it still doesn't change. Literally, it's one X return or below or fail. And it's like that is mind blowing. You'd expect the risk profile to much to reduce, right? As as you as you go through Series A, Series B, Series C, something is going very, very, very badly wrong. And a lot of that is in go to market. And so there's a whole. You know, we're we're very blessed to. Have stage two capital as investors. Mark Roberge, total genius, wrote probably one of the best books on sales and in, in the sales acceleration formula. Took spot from zero to 100 million in revenue. He was on our board. We had a board meeting on Tuesday. He was there. I I literally count my lucky stars. And his contributions at the board meetings that we have are just phenomenal. Um, there is a way of instrumenting your business, and you don't, you know, you grow at the right pace. And by the way, you could also be growing too slowly. Right. And if you want to go and become a category winner you know, and you want to dominate a category, you actually do have to go pretty aggressively. But there is a whole range of like metrics and dashboards that you can create uh, that can give you really early warning signals that you're that you're perhaps going too fast or, like I said, going going too slow. So 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 instrumenting your business for, for growth. And again, we haven't got time to go into how you do that today, but that, that, that's absolutely key as well.
0: And of course, you talk about culture and and culture being kind of really important, and and that glass door rating. And I know I've worked with with, with Sales Impact. Um, in fact, I I referred someone who I knew to you guys to to get a uh, to get a job. And um, did they get she, a job? Yeah, and she's doing really well. She she absolutely sings sings the praises of you guys. Who's that again? Isabel. Ah, is, yeah. Of course. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, so so that's great, but you've done that with a business that is uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you're you're fully remote, aren't you? Yeah. Or yes, you're so so you've kind of solved that for, um, were you fully remote from, from the start pre-pandemic? Yeah. yeah. So you've solved, you've managed to grow that culture. Because one of the things I've noticed and conversations I've had with many different businesses that I've worked with and, and worked alongside is that this has been a real telling point for company culture is that that move to remote and some businesses have done it very well and some businesses have really struggled to find that balance and i guess the degree of loosening control because you haven't got people with you how any tips around kind of growing that culture because it seems to be that's the next big question right for people is okay we are remote now we're we're probably never going to go back to being fully in the office but our culture isn't where it needs to be or where it should be.
1: Mm. You keep hitting these topics that really need much. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more time to cover. I, th- I think it, what a really more interesting question is, like, what actually is culture, and then how do you That's create it?
0: Fair point. And I've
1: asked this question of a lot of people, like, I'll ask it if you, feel? how do you define culture?
0: Yeah, it's it's... Uh, it's it's a really hard one because we're going we're going through that journey i guess as a business as well where we're part remote we've got people that work abroad in in other countries and people that work in our hub in london and we're now starting to to reintroduce social events and online events and mm-hmm. but i don't think that i don't think that's culture right i think i think the culture is i always think i always Start by when Nelson, our CRO, joined us and he he kind of reintroduced the concept of radical candor or properly introduced the concept of radical candor to try and underpin this culture of open, honest
1: mm-hmm. and
0: accessible communication at all levels of the business. And I think for me, that's that's a really good step in, in building that culture is that, you know, that you can go to the CRO, you know, you can go to the CEO and, and, mm-hmm. and raise an issue or ask a question about something mm-hmm. we're doing. And I think that that for me is the first step to good culture is, is having accessibility throughout the business.
1: I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. But that doesn't define culture. That doesn't <laughs> define the idea of like, what is culture, right? I think it's a really interesting question and it's a hard one to answer. I mean, transparency is, I think, a, a trait of that culture. Yeah. And you, you could have a maybe a successful culture that isn't transparent. I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm sure you could, right? It's just um, like probably Apple is, is, I don't know what the culture is like at Apple. I can imagine they're pretty chuffed with life. <laughs> um, but they're not very transparent, I don't think. I don't think they're very transparent yeah, externally. So they're probably not transparent internally as well. So I'm not sure if transparency equals great culture or like you have to have great transparency to have great culture, I don't, I don't know. Um, the best I can come up with to, to actually tangibly explain culture for me is like it's a bit like a sort of personality. It's almost like the personality of the company and then what's personality made up of well personality like you and me is made up of personality traits yeah and those traits are kind of like they'd sort of ladder up to create that personality and so you can call them values if you want or call them traits um and then you think okay well what you know if i if i'm thinking about my best mate what traits what traits do i really like about that that best friend or like the ideal best friend and like you think, well what are the values that are really important to me in that best friend? It would be intelligence. For me anyway, it'd be like intelligence and honesty and consistency and kindness um, and, and being challenged um, uh, and all these kinds of things. I and mean, if you think, well, okay, well, if that, that's kind of like what I'd like from a best mate, <laughs> let's make this, let's, let's bring those values and those traits into the company, and that's that's the that's what that's culture. So that's that's how I I don't know if I'm off the mark articulating it like that. But no, I we'll, think that's but, a great
0: way of articulating. It, actually, I think that's a really interesting way of looking at. It, is all the, like culture is not a single entity. Culture is a personality, and it's made up of different traits. And you get all of those traits right, and and that levels up to an overall great personality of the business, which is yeah. An overall.
1: Yeah, culture. I think that's a great way of describing it. So if that's the case. Does it matter if we're in the office or not? I don't think so, <laughs> and we've proved that it's not. And you know, we we uh, you know, I'm I'm like the guardian, like you know, I'm like the sort of CCO really. I'm like the chief culture officer of the of the of the company as well as the CEO. And I, I fundamentally know that there's a disproportionate impact that I have on the company. I, it's just a matter. It's just facts, right? And I spend a lot of I spend a lot of thought and, and to an extent, time trying to break down these kind of like fake constructs that are created by the, the this job title ceo and then the employees of the company and I, I try try i almost hate it when some people refer to me as the ceo i'm like oh oh yeah i am <laughs> of course of course i guess i am i'm very comfortable being the ceo i'm very comfortable in my own skin um because i think I'm, i've been marinated over 20 years and i'm, I'm ready for it but I don't like the. I know what it feels like to be an exec working for a CEO, and I know yeah. what that sort of. Oh, the CEO. It's like I don't want people to go. Ooh, the room CEO. changes,
0: doesn't it? When yeah, when you right. walk
1: in, like there's that, there's that.
0: Like someone will be having a joke, and you can get like the CEO can walk in, and it can the joke will stop or the conversation I, will
1: stop. I, I I don't want that. I don't want to change the room. I want to just you know drift into a room and people just go all right, mate. And that's and that's it. That's yeah. literally it. And, and like. And so, um, you know, and I think we really, really, really deeply about you know the culture and the people and every single decision that we make. We don't have probation periods. We have the, one of the most generous equity plans, you know, in the country. We, you know, we have ten mental, you know, well-being days. If you're not, if you're not feeling great, we think very carefully about. We're very flexible in hours worked. Deeply trusting, very transparent. You know, I mean, I could go on, but um, but yeah. For me, I guess in summary, having a physical location, I don't think, is in, in, in any way relevant to culture.
0: Nice. Paul, look, I mean, I could 100% go on and talk to you for another five hours. I appreciate you are a super busy man. Um, we might have to do a part two of this so I can actually ask you all the questions I didn't actually ask you that, that I prepped you on.
1: Um, last question that I am going to ask you. Sorry, though. it's probably my fault. I just. No, no, I, no. I, hey, I, I do blab on a bit. <laughs> I, I,
0: I like, uh, I'm a big fan of conversation. So, um, like I said, we could quite happily talk for another hour or so. Um, the last question I'm going to ask you, though, because we ask this of all of our guests here at the Future Positive podcast and um, what are you most excited about for the future
1: what, in what relation to what
0: in anything i guess in terms of kind of your position uh, in terms of sia in terms of the industry in terms of the impact you're having or mm. something you see so i guess just what what kind of excites you about the world that you're in
1: there's a lot that scares me so let's not let's not let's not <laughs> let's not touch on that i think i think we all we all we all share that um but yes let's let's keep on the more exciting thing. I think that that education is the next massive industry to get completely upended by the internet, right and it's a bit strange to, in many ways that it hasn't already happened. I mean the internet has well, been around for what 20 ish years 20 25, 25 years, and it just obliterated so many industries like like you know commerce uh, and and you know music and, and media and entertainment and, and, and many others. Um, and I think education is probably next and it's a massive, massive, massive industry you know, obviously governments all around the world, are, you know, pour trillions into educating their, their populations to give the, give themselves an edge. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that disruption because there's a lot in education that I think is very wrong um from the economics to the actual what gets taught and everything um and i think in our you know and that really impacts what we're doing and what really excites me is is being a part of that disruption um and and the thought that through the web through the internet through delivery of of, of education and for me a live way because actually if you look at the completion rates of on-demand learning it's, it's really Low. It's like three to six percent uh, of course completions in 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 on-demand self-directed learning. So it's almost like forget that, right? So light. It's really about the live pedagogy in, in 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 many ways. And I am very 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 excited about the thought of impacting millions and millions of people's lives in an incredibly positive way, right? And you know what's you know what what sort of not to like about that?
0: Oh, brilliant, great answer. So, put where can people find out a little bit more about Sales Impact Academy?
1: Uh, probably best to go to our internet website, which is www.salesimpact.io.
0: Brilliant. And of course, uh, people can find you on all the socials as always. Well, look, thanks, Paul. It's been great to talk to you here today. Next time on the podcast, uh, Kirsty will be back. uh, And we'll be talking to Rowan Van Tromp, Ops Director for App Advisory Plus, to talk about the accounting app ecosystem. Loads and loads and loads of news and development in that area at the moment. It's a really fascinating place to look. For those new to Capitalise, we are a funding and capital platform designed to support accountants to build healthy balance sheets and relationships with their SME clients. And you can find out more about us and this podcast at capitalize.com. Thanks for listening. And I look forward to talking to you again
1: next time. Cheers. Bye bye.